if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 18th morning of the month of May in the year of our Lord 2020. Coming up in about 40 minutes, we will talk as we do each and every Monday with Ohio Congressman. Uh, Jim Jordan, our fourth congressional district representative. He has got a lot on his plate, and we are going to try to talk about most of it at 948 this morning as far as federal responses to the coronavirus, the Chinese coronavirus. We're going to talk to him about the General Flynn prosecution and how off the rails the justice system got under President Barack Obama and how it is trying to be brought back into line by Attorney General Bill Barr working in the Trump Department of Justice. So all of that coming up with Jim Jordan at uh, uh, 948 this morning. We start, however, this morning with a question for you. Did you enjoy your little taste of patio freedom on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? Did you have a nice time celebrating the tiny bit of liberty that... Uncle Mikey and Auntie Labcoat have provided for us. They give you a little bit of time to get up out of your room. They ungrounded you for a little while, and they said you can go out to the patios. You can't go inside the restaurants and bars, but you can go outside and sit on the patios in the rain and in the cold wind. And I want to know if you enjoyed it. And the reason I want to know if you enjoyed it is because I want you to really soak those memories in because they aren't going to be around very long. The little freedoms that you got are not going to last very long. You're going to be regrounded by the mumbling lab coat, Amy Acton, and her sidekick, Mike DeWine. How do we know this? Because Mike DeWine said so. You don't know how to handle the freedom you've been given, then it will be taken away from you. If you went outside to one of the patio establishments and got too close to other people, well, by golly, then we're just going to have to lock you back up in your room again. You think I'm exaggerating that? 
That is essentially what Mike DeWine said on CNN State of the Union with Jake Tapper, and you don't want to hear this, but you must. Yeah, but that's that's in the fall. Uh, May 31st, coming right up, child care centers in Ohio are slated to open. Now, I understand you're going to be taking precautions. The people running the child care centers are going to be taking precautions. Smaller groups of children in each room, uh, much more hand-washing. Uh, but as you acknowledge, we, we've already seen... Uh, reported cases of children in Ohio experiencing this new phenomenon, this horrific thing, multi-system inflammatory syndrome <clears throat> in children. It could be linked to coronavirus. How much does that horrible illness weigh on your decision for May 31st, the child care centers, especially given how little we know about COVID-19? Just just well, wait for it here. It's coming. The uh, the part that I really want to focus on here about going out and uh, and then being restricted again, which is coming. Just listen be going back to school in the fall. What we try to do uh, and what we did do uh, in, in regard to the child care, we pushed it back. Uh, it's another couple of weeks. Uh, we think we will have the lowest ratio in the country, the smallest number of classes, smallest number of kids in, in, in a room. Uh, we think we have the, the best practices that can be put in place in regard to child care. But we, we're going to monitor all of this. Uh, it's been pointed out on your show already today several times. This, this is a virus that we're still learning a lot about. We don't know a great deal about it. We know more today than we did two months ago or three months ago. So we're, we're looking at the numbers every single day. Uh, we're getting reports from our health departments around the state. We have 113 local health departments. So all of this is a work in progress. Um, you know, we made the decision to start opening up Ohio, and about 90% of our economy is, is back open. You're a liar, Mike DeWine. You are a liar. You show me the science that says 90% of Ohio is back open again. You show me that. And that means not just number of businesses. That means number of businesses operating at full capacity. You show me that 90% of Ohio is open again. You, It's, it's not possible for 90% of Ohio to open again when you forced thousands and thousands of businesses to shut down and thousands of them roughly 30 to 40 percent of them will never open again they're bankrupt they're done doors are closed forever how dare you lie to the ohio the people of ohio and claim that 90 percent of ohio is open again because we thought it was a huge risk not to open but we also know it's a huge risk in opening and we go into this with our uh, eyes wide open. Uh, we're prepared to do what we have to do uh, to pull back. But what I've said to uh, my fellow Ohioans uh, on Friday and Thursday, uh, particularly uh, when we did our press conference, I said, look, um, you know, we don't want to be like some of the countries we've seen where they shut down, opened up, and now are starting to shut down again. That is not where we want to be. And it's in everyone's collective hands, you know, how we act in the next month or two whether or not we're going to be in that position or, or, or not. We are prepared to do what we have to do to pull back, to pull back on the liberties that we have granted people in this very short period of time. We are willing to pull back. He went on to say that as it pertains to the bars and as it pertains to those patios that I told you about that you've been given the, given the freedom to roam onto for a little while, don't get used to it. And so, Governor, keeping that in mind, everything you just said, I want you to take a look at these pictures from a bar in Columbus, Ohio, on Friday. This is the first day that outdoor dining businesses 
uh, were allowed to reopen. That's a pretty big crowd of people. They don't seem to be wearing masks. They don't seem to be separated from each other six feet or whatever. Not a lot of distance between patrons. You've seen these images. Does it concern you? Absolutely. Uh, I saw those images um, very early. Uh, we had people there last night. Uh, the good news is that uh, the ownership, uh, people running the bar, uh, seemed to get control of it last night. We didn't have to issue any citations. We did issue a citation for another bar in, in Columbus. Uh, and candidly, you know, we've worked with the Attorney General, uh, David Yost, and we're going to do whatever we have to do if these things, you know, are in fact occur across Ohio, wherever they occur. But ultimately, it's going to come to Ohioans doing what Ohioans have done for the last two months, and that is, um, you know, by and large, done exactly what they should do. Try to keep the distance. Um, you know, we're encouraging more people to wear a mask, uh, as I said. But uh, How can you expect people to wear masks at a bar and a restaurant? You babbling buffoon of a governor. How can you tell people to cover their mouths and their noses with those fear masks when they're trying to drink and eat? They're standing on patios because your dumb behind wants them to believe that there's no coronavirus on the patio, but if you walk through the doors, it's on the inside. You can't go in there. That's where the virus lives. Until Thursday, then it'll be gone from there, too, and then we can go inside. How are they supposed to eat and drink with masks over their mouth? And if you say, remove the mask while you take a drink, then you have defeated the purpose of wearing the masks. But that's not the key line. The key line was when you just heard the governor say, we are prepared to do what we have to do to pull back which means we will revoke the rights of Ohio's little children, and by little children I mean grown adults being treated like little children. We will remove the rights of the little children to go outside if they can't handle it properly. Now that's point number one. And oh, by the way, we had people in those establishments. What does he mean? Snitches. State uh, officials or employees or whatever, ready and willing to call the health department and say, those two people just toasted. They clanged their beard bottles together. Do you know that's within six feet? Let's fine or issue citations to the bar owners because people actually got too close together. I mean, this is obscene. This, this is just, this is, this is so, antithetical to everything that we are, everything that this country is. This is completely unimaginable. That's number one. Number two is that it's all a lie. In addition to the incompetence of Mike DeWine and the whispering lab coat, in addition to the making it up as far as arbitrary dates, making it up as to which businesses can open on which days, in addition to all of their incompetent boobery, you have the fact that it's a lie. The images, which you could not see because I just, this is radio, but I just played a video from CNN's State of the Union yesterday. The video, or excuse me, the images that he showed them, he, or that Jake Tapper showed Governor DeWine, were street-level views of a relatively crowded patio bar. 
street level, meaning if you put a few people together in a in a in a uh, you know in a particular location and take a picture from street level you are going to see what looks like a crowd you have no earthly idea there's no perspective to see how much space there is between them fortunately some people interested in the truth took balcony level views in other words they got up higher and took images pictures of the very same patio from the street level it looks like they're all on top of one another from the elevated view from the balcony views and the images that were taken there, you can see that the groups are spread out at tables that are indeed six feet apart with crowds around them of no more than ten per table, which is exactly what the rule that uh, the mumbling lab coat passed, or not passed, but ordered, says. So CNN you know, posts these ridiculous photos telling Mike DeWine, look at this, that looks like an awfully close crowd. They're not wearing masks. Yeah, hey, Jake, they're drinking. Try drinking through a mask. Let me know how well that goes for you. And then, uh, and they look like they're pretty close together. Yeah, well, get a little bit of an elevated view and tell us that then. So, you know, CNN just doing what CNN does. CNN going to CNN. They're going to lie. It's just, it's expected. It's, it's just the way things go. I get it. Trying to trick Mike DeWine by showing him those images and Mike DeWine being too, you know, thick headed to understand that those are street level views. That's another thing. But Mike DeWine then thus responding with, we are prepared to do what we have to do to pull back. Quote, we are prepared to do what we have to do to pull back, meaning to restrict, pull back your liberties, your freedoms to go out there and, uh, and again, engage in patio socializing which, again, is just so much nonsense. My wife and I went to Crocker Park in Westlake on Saturday and walked around for a little while. Started to get a little breezy. Started a little bit. It was late in the afternoon, pushing toward dusk, I guess. I don't know. It was 6-ish or whatever. And it started to get a little breezy, a little bit of a cold breeze. It was a beautiful day Saturday until that cool breeze kind of came in, and you know there was going to be rain, which happened yesterday. So anyway, we said, okay, we're done. So we got in our car. And as we drove out of Crocker Park, and anybody who knows Crocker Park in Westlake will know what I'm talking about, um, as we were leaving, there's Bar Louie, which is a uh, an establishment uh, there on Crocker, or at Crocker, and uh, huge patio bar. Huge patio bar. A lot of people were out there during the day uh, on the patio, eating and drinking and being merry to the limits that the governor says that they can. And... Um, the 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 establishment basically is open. It's kind of an open-air place. In other words, there's no walls between the patio and the inside of the bar, okay? Or at least, you know, there's there's probably closable doors, but the, but they're essentially it was wide open. In other words, when you look at the patio, you can look all the way inside the building, right? And as we were driving away, my wife and I, I looked at her and I said, boy, it's awfully cool out there because you can start to see the um, the uh, little canopies, the little table umbrellas starting to blow a lot because, like I said, it got cool and breezy. I said, those people look like they're freezing. Wouldn't it be nice if they could just move 15 feet to their right and inside the establishment to get out of the wind? But then I thought, no, they can't do that because the mumbling lab coat has determined that the virus is inside. 15 feet to their right inside the establishment and out of the wind is where they're going to get the virus. And they're going to contract it, and then they're going to spread it, and they're going to infect all of these other people, and we're all going to die. But if they stay outside where the cold wind is blowing, the virus isn't on the patio. It's okay there. 
Does anyone see the absurdity of what the mumbling lab coat and her little assistant, Mikey D., are trying to perpetrate upon us? They are clueless. Without clue, without hint of what they are doing. They're making things up as they go. And I think the one thing that would make me feel better is if they just admitted it. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep putting the same policies in place. Just admit to us. But we're doing it blind because we have no clue what to do. That's all I want to hear them say. Is, hey, you know what? We're guessing the way everybody else is. We're probably guessing wrong sometimes, but hey, we're guessing because we got nothing else to go on. If they would just give me an admission of, of ignorance... I would respect it a hell of a lot more than if they try to tell us they're acting on the basis of science. They're not. The lab coat doesn't understand science. She didn't from the beginning. And Mike DeWine trusting her is even worse. 923. Good Monday morning to you. Back after this. Making it up as they go, and they're trying to convince you that they've got this, that they're in control. They're not in any part of this country. It's not just Mike DeWine and the bumbler, the mumbling, bumbling, stumbling lab coat. It is all over the place. That's why you are seeing lawsuits being filed all over the country against Democrat governors. And yes, Mike DeWine qualifies. Sorry to break that news to you, Ohio Republican Party. You have uh, a Democrat at the helm <laughs> of what was what is supposed to be a Republican state. Uh, that's, that's what we've done. And I'm guilty. Hand in the air. I voted for him. Not that I had much of a choice. It was one Democrat or the other. I just didn't know it at the time. I trusted Mike DeWine at the time. I wonder how Mary Taylor would have done, though, because I was actually a supporter of hers in the primary. Anyway, I digress. Democrat uh, imposed curfews and coronavirus orders are facing lawsuits all across the nation. California facing at least a dozen of them. Uh, that include, that claim the state has unjustly closed down shops and also religious uh, services and religious um, uh, venues. They've infringed upon freedom of speech and assembly by restricting protests. One lawsuit uh, where a re- resident alleges that being forced to remain home, remain home remain at home constitutes forced detention without due process or house arrest. This is going on in states all over the country, and with good reason. In Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer is up against a lawsuit from Republicans in her state's House and Senate over her extension of her already ridiculously strict emergency order that has regulated residents' movements, closed businesses, what kinds of places they can shop, what kinds of vehicles they can propel themselves in, etc. The lawsuit says that she overstepped her authority by extending her shutdown order, and she needs the legislature's approval to extend it beyond 28 days, which is moderately similar to what um, a lot of Republicans in the state of Ohio are pushing for with respect to limiting the lab coat's powers to uh, extend anything past 14 days without needing a uh, bipartisan committee, the JCAR committee of the Ohio uh, General Assembly, to approve anything beyond that. And the bottom line here is that Democratic governors across this country, along with Mike DeWine, have essentially taken us from a, you know, uh, a state of liberty to a police state, as Andrew Napolitano called it. The definition of a free state is one where the laws are written to uphold personal liberties. The definition of a police state is one where the laws are written legitimately or not 
to uphold what the government wants. We are not gradually, but all of a sudden, in a period of six weeks, going from a free state, this is happening in all 50 states, to a police state. Andrew Napolitano is 100% correct, and the question is, is what are you prepared to do about it? Are you prepared to fight back against this tyranny? And my friends, if you think, that's okay now, things are getting better, they're letting people back onto the bar patios, they're letting people go to the gyms in in a couple of weeks, then you are sorely mistaken, because you know as well as I do, the moment the lab coat sees an opportunity to re-seize more control and power, she will. And that means moderate spike, one or two people die that they didn't think were going to die, oh, then we've got to lock everybody back down again. And this will be the M.O. until after November. After November, and after Donald Trump has been defeated, and then the threat that they are really worried about is ended, then they will uh, allow the economy to reopen and get jump-started for the incoming Democrat president. Mark my words back after this. We don't get fooled again. All right, it's 9.36. Appreciate you being with us. Hey, uh, before I go any further, I want to say thank you again to my friend Rob Walgate for uh, sitting in for me on Friday. Friday was the day that I had to make the trek from one dictatorship in the state of Ohio uh, to an even worse one in the state of Michigan as I had to move my daughter's belongings home from Hillsdale. Of course, her second semester, like everybody else's, was done at the dining room table or in a room or wherever. Uh, so we had to uh, clear out the uh, the dorm. Uh, so thanks, Rob Walgate, for sitting in. I know he talked with Jack Windsor, who has become a very fr- uh, popular uh, guest to have on this program. He's a friend of the program. He does great, great work. And uh, we're going to probably talk to Jack at some point later this week as well. But uh, thank you, Rob. I'm sure it was an outstanding show. Didn't pick it up in Michigan, but uh, I know that uh, Rob does great work. That's why we have him in. All right, uh, 937. I forgot to give you the phone numbers. We will take your calls. I just have a lot to report on first. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. When I just played that Andrew Napolitano clip about how we are in a police state, let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. We are in a police state, and uh, since I brought up Michigan, we'll go there. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel had some unbelievably harsh words for a 77-year-old barber who reopened his shop because he had to make a living in defiance of the Gretchen Whitmer uh, tyrannical shutdown orders. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mankey, Carl Mankey, the owner of Carl Mankey's Barber and Beauty Shop in Owasso, Michigan, opened up again. And when the state tried to shut him down again, um, they went to court. And Mr. Mankey won. And so since they couldn't stop, since a county judge denied the attorney general's request for a restraining order against him, and Mr. Mankey won in the courtroom to stay open, Gretchen Whitmer and the Michigan attorney general took the unbelievable step of revoking his license. They revoked his license. You believe that? They did. And the attorney general, Dana Nessel, had some words for this particular uh, barbershop owner, this 77-year-old man trying to pay his bills by opening his shop up and cutting hair, wearing masks, etc. Attorney General Dana Nassel said, this man is not a patriot. This man is not a hero. This is in response to people cheering Mr. Mankey for defying government tyranny. 
She said, we are not looking to throw people in jail. That is a very, very last resort. But we want him to discontinue his conduct, which we think is aiding and abetting in the spread of the virus. The virus, by the way, that has a 99.95% survival rate. This man is not a hero to me, she said. He's not a patriot. A patriot is a person that fights all enemies, foreign and domestic, and does everything possible to protect his fellow countrymen and countrywomen. And to me, Mr. Mankey is doing just the opposite of that. He's being selfish in his behavior, and that's what he is doing is allowing the virus to spread, end quote. What I'm going to say in response to that particular attorney general is, he is exactly what you said he is not, because he is doing exactly what you said he's not doing. He's fighting all enemies, foreign and domestic. The enemy is the tyrannical government of Michigan. The enemy is you. He's fighting you and defying you on behalf of his fellow countrymen and countrywomen who should not be forced to live in tyranny. Let's go to Oregon. First it was Shelley Luther in Dallas, then it was uh, Carl Mankey in Michigan, and now let's talk about Lindsey Graham, a salon owner, not the Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. This is a person, Lindsey Graham, salon owner in Salem, Oregon, who has been threatened with upwards of 70, not seven, $70,000 in fines for deciding to open her shop to try to pay her bills and not go under permanently like so many businesses. 30 to 40% of businesses that have been shuttered by the governments across this country are never opening again. So rather than go under, she opened up and defied Oregon Governor Kate Brown's lockdown orders. Dozens of people rallied in support of her uh, along her sidewalk when the state started with their threats. The original threat of $70,000 in fines uh, began with a $14,000 fine by OSHA. That's the Oregon something uh, association. Claiming she put her employees at risk. But it got worse. It was a lot more than just those fines. Starting with $14,000 could be as high as seventy. State child welfare authorities then got involved to threaten to take away from a private citizen her children. Since the city of Salem, Oregon owns the building she leases, they threatened to terminate her lease and take her children away, claiming that because she is operating... In her salon, she could be either infecting or become infected by other people with the virus, putting her children in danger. And they have threatened to remove her children from her home. Now, I want to ask you very simply, what country is this? What country am I telling you stories from? Am I, am I giving you stories from Cuba? Am I giving you stories from Venezuela? Am I telling you stories from Russia, from communist China? These are, these, are, these are happening here in the United States. And if you're not freaking out at what is being done to the liberty of American citizens who are simply being, quote-unquote, selfish by trying to, I don't know, pay their bills, avoid being homeless, feed their children, save their businesses, then I, I really don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you this, this is what they think of you as they practice their tyranny. They think this of you. 
California independent contractors and freelancers who have lost their jobs because of the California bill passed called AB5, Assembly Bill 5, which ordered the closing of uh, businesses and the ceasing of business by independent contractors and freelancers. According to Democrat State Senator Hannah Beth Jackson, these people are just angry because, quote, AB5 took away their lollipops. Wait, what? Did, did, did Bob misspeak just now? Clearly, a, an actual elected representative of a state didn't compare people's jobs and their livelihoods to lollipops. No, Bob did not misspeak. That is exactly what I said. Democrat state senator in California, Hannah Beth Jackson, representing the 19th district of that state in western Ventura County and Santa Barbara County, in a Senate Labor, Public Employment, and Retirement meeting, she declared that people who lost their jobs as independent contractors and freelancers who are not allowed to work and provide their services during this shutdown are just upset because AB5, quote, took away their lollipops. A sitting California senator. A lollipop. That's a job. One response on Twitter, I think, grabbed it properly. Quote, I'm sorry, did Senator Hannah Beth just refer to jobs as lollipops, like the kind of thing you have to ask mommy and daddy for? That is exactly what she did. You don't get your lollipops unless mommy and daddy say so. And since we took away your lollipops, now you're all upset. People's jobs, people's lives are at stake. And they refer to them as lollipops to be doled out at the discretion of Big Daddy and Mommy government. Never, ever did I think I would see this in the United States of America. I do want to give you a chance to... Let me give you the good news. Good news is, I told you I have a lot of reporting to do here. A lot of things I need to make you aware of. Um, And I've got Jim Jordan coming up next. But Hour 2 is guest-free, so plenty of time for your phone calls of reaction to what we're talking about coming up after the top of the hour news. But for now, a quick time out. Congressman Jordan, next. All right, 948, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again for being with us. Thanks also to Congressman Jim Jordan, who joins us now for his regular Monday visit on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. Good morning to you. All right, a lot of ground to cover here, boy. Uh, between uh, you know the ongoing response to and the reopening of the economy for the coronavirus, to all of the uh, scandals that continue to uh, exist in the mm-hmm. swamp. Let's let's start with the swamp, and and I want to start with Jerry Nadler, uh, the chairman of uh, the Judiciary Committee, on which you said wanting committee hearings on Attorney General Bill Barr dropping the Flynn charge. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a two for here, Congressman. Respond to that committee uh, demand or the hearings, I should say, demand. For the chairman, and then also that Judge Sullivan 
The judge in yeah. that case yeah. refusing to accept the dropping of the charges by the attorney general, asking for amicus briefs to be filed by somebody, anybody who wants to challenge this, and then specifically re- requesting a retired judge, Gleason, saying, hey, can you argue against the dropping of these charges? I mean, this is the most unbelievable um, act of judicial misconduct I've yeah. seen in a very long time. What, do you, what say you? And Gleason just a few years ago said uh, the government has the absolute right to drop the case. And, and you don't you don't let these amicus you don't let the, these third parties come in and, and argue a case that the government seeks to drop. So the very guy Sullivan picked has been has been on record and said just a few years ago you can't do what they are now doing. This just again shows the the degree to which people will go after anyone connected with the president. That just how they how they operate. And and you look at then with uh, with with Nadler. Uh, I mean, why haven't we had Michael Horowitz come in? Jerry Nadler won't bring in the inspector general who's now issued a full report and an interim report saying how bad the FISA process was, how much they screwed up the Carter Page FISA. That report came in December. We've yet to have Jerry Nadler in front of the committee, or excuse me, uh, Michael Horowitz in front of Jerry Nadler's committee, but he's going to go after Bill Barr for the right decision the Justice Department made in not uh, prosecuting General Flynn, who, as we know, was treated so poorly, so wrongly, and with no due process. Yeah, and that, that's exactly the the point here. Um, you know, the rule of law is what is is in serious jeopardy here. The rule of law was violated a number of times, obviously, in the setup of of General Flynn. Now the rule of law is being violated by the judge Sullivan in asking another former judge to come in and do what that judge said cannot be done. And yet they are on television on a regular basis, Congressman, claiming they're worried about the rule of law being violated by Barr. I mean, the hook yeah, is is beyond uh, <laughs> compare. It, it, and it's been there uh, the entire time. You know, you go back to the to the to the foundational argument they made that somehow the Trump campaign colluded with Russia, when in fact it was just the opposite. It was the Democrat uh, Party's campaign. It was Hillary Clinton's campaign who paid who paid the law firm who hired a foreigner who talked to Russians and worked with Russians to put together a document that was false that they then used to go get the warrant to go spy on the Trump campaign. So uh, again, this is just how the left operates. Um, it, it, they, they accuse us of exactly what they're doing. The idea that somehow uh, a Bill Barr is violating, he is upholding the rule of law. The American people, I think, appreciate an attorney general who is, who is determined to get to the bottom of what took place when the Comey-Obama Justice Department did what they – well, we should say it this way. Now that we know that Joe Biden was also involved in the unmasking, the Comey-Obama-Biden uh, uh, just department did it that way glad you pointed that out because that's a big big factor here and joe biden needs to be held accountable for that needs to be questioned about that um l- let me ask you one more thought on oh, this Bob, I just on. Interject. let me just interject yeah. one second the, the day that the uh, go back and look because the day that uh vice president biden then by vice president biden was unmasking michael flynn's uh name also happens to be an important date in the timeline for the leaks to the media that's the day david ignatius wrote the story about Flynn and the Kislyak conversation. Now, someone gave it to him. Maybe it wasn't Biden, but it might be more than just coincidental that the day he's asking for Mike Flynn's name to be unmasked is the very day that David Ignatius from the Washington Post writes the story about the Flynn-Kislyak conversation. Now, I'm sure it's just coincidence. (laughs) Tongue firmly planted in cheek. Um, Okay, so last thought on this. Um, 
let's say that Gleason, uh, in violation of his own words from what he wrote just a few short years ago, talking about how the government has a near absolute power to extinguish a case. What if he comes forward and files a brief with uh, Sullivan and says, no, I was wrong a few years ago when I said that. Uh, the government cannot uh, just just uh, dismiss this case and extinguish this case. Um, there must be a prosecution and, and Flynn must be held accountable. That's scary. That's scary if that happens. Uh, let's, let's, let's pray that it doesn't. Um, Procedurally, my, I mean, what, what does it mean, though, from a legal standpoint? I, and I know you you're know, not an attorney, I, but, but I'm just curious, what happens if he does that? Yeah, I don't, I, 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 I don't know. But, but frankly, Bob, that's something we're going to research uh, today, because I'll, I'll talk to our, our, our lawyers on the judiciary staff, and I will find out what, what could be potential action that we could take or someone could take or Flynn's, Flynn's lawyer, Sidney Powell, could take. Um, if in fact they 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 continue down this road and um, you know Gleason comes back and, and says what you just described, I, I don't know. I guess part of me hopes that that's not going to be the case. You know, Jeepers, you got the you got the Justice Department saying don't do it. Everyone yeah. knows. Everyone's seen the evidence the last few weeks. So, um, but let's hope that, that let's pray that yeah, doesn't happen. I, I mean, I, I just cannot imagine happen. Bill Barr being forced to sign a federal attorney to go prosecute something that the that the DOJ does not believe in. I, you know, you're well, forced I don't to think present a will. case here. I, I don't, don't get it. I don't think they will. I don't think that'll be the advocate. I don't think, uh, or that'll be the prosecutor. Um, I, I don't think that. I mean, again, we'll, we'll, we'll check it out. It's, it's a, it's an interesting question. Let's, let's hope it doesn't go that. Far. Let's hope that this Gleason guy doesn't. I don't know. Let's let's hope. Yeah, it, it is like bizarre. But, but I mean, for 2013, Gleason writes that writes that uh, article, and then yeah. and, uh, and then on Monday, he and two others uh, write a, write a, uh, an article saying they that's actually just a request and uh, the motion to dismiss is a request. It doesn't have to be followed. Okay, let's get to more swampiness. Um, it makes no sense to me. Uh, you wrote a letter. Uh, to uh, Mike Pompeo, uh, essentially uh, asking for documents to be released linking uh, Obama-Biden to Burisma, going back to the Ukraine attempt to impeach the President of the United States. Can you tell us more about that letter? What do you want to see? Well, you, you know, no, great question. This is, this is Ambassador Yovanovitch. Remember, she was one of their key witnesses during the impeachment process. And uh, during, during the deposition and, frankly, during the public hearing, she indicated that she had very little, very little information was given to her about the linkage between uh, Hunter Biden and this company Burisma. Um, she got like maybe one briefing. She said before in a, in, a, in a prep before in a preparation for her Senate confirmation. Well, it turns out she had a lot more encounters, a lot more memos, briefings, all kinds of information given to her about about Burisma, about Zolchevsky, the, the, the oligarch who ran that company, and, and about Hunter Biden, and about then Vice President Joe Biden before one of Joe Biden's did. So it's like, you said one thing during your deposition and during the public hearings when, when the Democrats and Adam Schiff and Pelosi were trying to impeach the President of the United States, and, and it, was, it was turned out to be a little different. So all we've said is, send us the unredacted documents so we can further explore the extent to which she was, she was, she was really knowledgeable about this whole issue and played it a little different. During uh, during the hearings and during her deposition, I give I give my colleague Lee Zeldin uh, a lot of the credit because during that deposition he really pressed her hard and and, and got the answers that on record that uh, I just described. 
We're talking with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, Ranking Member of the Judiciary Committee for the Republican Party. Let's move on to, well, more investigations. From that one, the Ukraine investigation, which led to impeachment, to this one, as we pivot to the coronavirus. Now there is going to be a select committee, and you're on it, to investigate the president's response to the coronavirus (laughs) outbreak. This is... I mean, right? I mean, there is, there is no end to what they will do to a destroy this president and be in the process yeah, harm sad. the country because this is not good for the country. Go ahead. No, there's there's eight different entities already doing oversight that they they created a ninth uh, because the ninth is partisan. The ninth's going to run interference for Joe Biden. They put Jim Clyburn in charge. Jim Clyburn is Joe Biden's number one supporter in the United States Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our first briefing. Uh, and it was it was totally unfair. in fact the very first witness the Democrats fought for, forward on the briefing. Guess what he said? He said the reason there was a shutdown is because there was inadequate testing. What? The reason there was a shutdown of the economy was to that they told us was to bend the curve, slow the curve, and to do what? Make sure our health care system wasn't overwhelmed. That's what they told us. Now they've changed it. Now they said, oh no no no, the reason we shut down is because they want to try to blame the president for testing. It's interesting today. Go look at the front page of the Washington Post. You know what it says? One problem with testing right now is not enough people are showing up to get tested. Right. So how can it, so this is that it, it showed their very first briefing, their very first witness, that point that one of the first sentences he said, the reason there was a shutdown is because we didn't have we had inadequate testing. And today, the Washington Post says there are not enough people showing up to, to, to just on the testing. There's people not showing up to get tested. So um, th- but they changed it from we because we all know why we shut it down. They told us. Right. The experts told us it was to make sure we didn't overwhelm our health care system. And we certainly haven't done that. No. Uh, it is time to get back to work. So this is political. We, 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 we can see that from the get-go from their very first witness. We'll just have to highlight the truth, highlight the fact. I want to ask you real quick about contact tracing. I think you know, when you mentioned I don't know if people are showing up to get tests. I understand that, and I don't blame them because if I have any symptoms, I'm not going to get t- tested either because I'm not going to have them dig into my phone, dig into my emails, dig into my personal uh, travels to see who I have uh, talked to over the course of the last 14 days, and then trying to tell who knows how many dozens of people I've had contact with that they have to then voluntarily or maybe not voluntarily quarantine because of yeah. their association with me. People don't want to do this and, and and i don't know about you but there is a fourth amendment that i think is is, is seriously in jeopardy here when it comes to contact tra- contact tracing heck in washington state you probably saw this they are demanding governor inslee is demanding any restaurant that seats anybody must get the name phone number and email address for em- every member of the party not one person who made the reservation just for that purpose but everybody so that if they find out later that somebody else That's in the scary. restaurant may have tested positive or just had symptoms of coronavirus they're going to report to the authorities the names phone numbers and email addresses of all these people who were in the restaurant at the time who wants to go through that yeah it's 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 crazy it's scary uh that's why it's so um what, what, what we talked about a few weeks ago it's so important that you have an attorney general who put the memo out he did a few years ago and said the constitution is not suspended during a crisis and amen to that also, Bob, one of the one of the one of the reasons people may not be get, getting tested is they don't have any symptoms. Then that's a good thing, exactly. right? That's what we hope's happening. I mean, there, there's a reason we did this social distancing. We were and Americans are smart people. They have common sense. They're going to do things the right way, but they also value their liberties and value their freedom. And they don't want Big Brother watching over and demanding some of the crazy things like you see from the governor of Michigan and the governor of Washington State. Congressman, we're out of time, but do me a favor. Take 30 seconds to say anything you want to say about the $3 trillion bill that Nancy Pelosi just got passed. 
Here's here, you can do it in one thing. That, that select committee, the first letter they sent was to a company in Western Pennsylvania, Universal Stainless and Alloy Products, and they said, "Hey, you took money in the PPP program. You shouldn't have." Two Democrat congressmen sent a letter back to to Mr. Clyburn and said, "This company was entitled to the PPE money, and if you take if you demand that money back, you're going to put steel workers steel workers going to lose their job in Western Pennsylvania and, and Eastern Ohio." And so that's the first action that, that they took. They did that letter. And then that bill that Pelosi had, that $3 trillion bill, guess what it was going to do? It was going to give money to illegal immigrants, stimulus dollars to illegal immigrants. So here's the Democrats in the last week. In one week's time, here's what they wanted to do. Take money from steel workers and give it to illegal immigrants. If for no other reason, people should have voted against that $3 trillion boondoggle last week. But every single Democrat, I believe, uh, almost every single Democrat voted for it. And not a, I think it was only one Republican who voted for that, that, that crazy piece of legislation. Well, you know what? That's a great, that's a great point. If for that, if for that reason only to oppose that. But I would say this, there are probably three trillion reasons to vote against that three, three. Besides that one, but I mean, honestly, there, there are that many more. Uh, Congressman, uh, great, great conversation. Keep up the good work, especially on that select committee. Uh, Defend the rule of law, defend the president, defend the DOJ, and thank you so much, Congressman. Thank you. That's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. We're past our news time. Let's get there and come right back.